to the Data Rockstars Coffee Podcast with me, Kelly Peters. And me, Regina Jonas. Happy New Year to all our listeners. We hope 2022 has started well for you. On our first podcast for this year, our theme is criminal justice. We've got a couple of stories to talk about that involve the mafia and Google Maps and attempted murder and domestic violence. So we're starting with a bang. And then we'll finish off the podcast with a brief chat about the new UK Information Commissioner. So Kelly, I wanted to kick off this session with a story that I spotted on the BBC yesterday, which um, I found really interesting. And um, it's about how the police have found a Italian mafia boss who was on the run for decades in Spain, in a small town in Spain called Galapagar. And they found him on Google, uh, using Google Maps. So awesome. the you know the car, Google car, we've all seen it with its little like camera atop, drives around all the streets and produces you know real life. You can immerse yourself in any place. There's a, a, a photo and it's on the BBC article that we'll post into the link. There's a photo of a chap standing talking to another a man and. His face is blurred, as is the case, and has been the case for quite some time now with Google. They recognised, I think, that were held to account about the fact that driving around, capturing people's faces, um, number plates and things like that was potentially quite a significant invasion of people's privacy. It might indicate information that, that could be intrusive to people. And so they've blurred out people's faces. So you can't see the detail of, of the man's face. However, it's been enough and identifiable enough that the police have investigated it further and been able to identify that it is indeed, I shouldn't say this, I'm going to try and say his name appropriately, but apologies to Julia, who is, is listening in. So Giorgino uh, Gemino and found this individual who's obviously enough of a similarity that they've then explored local Facebook pages and found that he was a chef. There's a restaurant there that had a chef with his picture posted on Facebook and identified him by a distinctive scar on his face to confirm that that was actually indeed him. So he escaped from Rome, uh, a prison in Rome in 2002. He was sentenced to life in jail for murder and he was a member of the Sicilian Mafia group, um, one of Italy's most wanted gangsters. And the police there thought that he was in Spain, but it was actually this photo on Google Maps that led them to be actually able to investigate further and find him. I just think it's really quite fascinating on a number of points, the fact although he's blurred his face, there's obviously enough that they felt it warrants uh, an investigation to find more. So was it random chance? It doesn't say. So I don't know. This was some of the things that intrigued me. You know, do the police routinely spend time trawling Google Maps, like looking for people that they think they might want to investigate as potential suspects. So what is it that they'd be looking for? Would it be height, build, Mm. that type of thing? You know, what? there's a lot of streets, you know, Google have mapped, I'd say, most of Europe. There's not many places you can look and say, I can't get down that road. There's maybe some very small tracks and stuff. But if a car can get down it, pretty much Google Maps has covered it and Google Street View has got a picture there. And, you know, if you end up, I was having a little look earlier, you know, if you end up behind the Google car, you're following it down the street so you can see that the car is ahead of you and obviously that car that's behind the Google car is following moving along. And those faces, the number plate's blurred, but the faces weren't as blurred as they might be. And you then kind of think, well, what's the technology that maybe people have access to that could enhance those photos Mm. or de-blur it? I don't know. And it'd be really interesting to know a little bit more about the techniques there that are 
used There's to definitely identify people but then it, it brings into question is are they doing enough to because okay in this instance it's somebody who's wanted for murder they've been identified it's helped prevent crime future crime potentially you know made this individual account for what they've done in the past so you can obviously argue that that's a positive thing but then if the technology exists and police are using this in a, a way there's going to be the flip side that there will be people using this in a, in a potentially negative way to find people who might be trying to hide from from them or mm. might have moved and in witness protection so mm. as much as you can use it for good there's always that flip side of using it for the negative yeah i was going to say that you've got to have that ethical conversation about the technology that's being used because Everyone, even those that commit crimes, are entitled to their privacy. But there must be some very sophisticated artificial intelligence being used. Yeah, I doubt very much it's, I, I would, you know, I doubt very much it's a policeman. Where should I stroll? Which streets should I stroll today <laughs> in the virtual no. world of Google Street Maps? But what was interesting was you said they've then gone to Facebook, which is obviously another source of phenomenal amounts of information about people, and obviously gone to a corporate page you know, of the where he was outside of, identified that he's a chef, he's clearly not felt he was at risk and had his picture on the website. So it's in the public domain. It's fascinating that today's technology has been used in that way. And I can see arguments for for and for the against of that. But wow, not a bad start to 2022 for the, what, would it be the Italian police? Uh, the so European? the Spanish, the Spanish police arrested him. So he's been held in, in custody in Spain, but they're hoping to bring him back to Italy by the end wow. of February. And um, yeah, apparently he said, he said to police, how did you find me? I haven't even called my family for 10 years. So he's like tried to be off grid, but obviously got to a point where, you know, and you've got no control over that as an individual, you know, yeah. did he even notice the Google car drive past? I mean, it begs a very good question of can you genuinely be off the grid? I don't know. Sure. I don't know no. if that's actually possible. Unless you were to go to, you know, the rainforest where I, I doubt Google can get anywhere near in terms of a car, but maybe one of their flying devices, what are they called? Drones. Drones. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Might be able to do something with that, I don't know. But no, that's interesting. And following on from that, I saw an interesting article in the, the Law Gazette. The Ministry of Justice in this country had published a report recently that talked about some of the data breaches that they had had up to March of last year. Okay. And it was interesting because last year we talked about the release of information and the risk of releasing information to the wrong individual, the impact that could have. So the, the opening gambit of this story is the confidential address of a victim of an attempted murder was inappropriately given to the perpetrator. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's quite scary. You know, and last year we talked about an individual who was subjected to domestic violence and her files being sent to her former partner, which disclosed her new address. But what was interesting was that there were 16 data breaches, all of which had been submitted to the Information Commissioner uh, for review. There were five data incidences that involved domestic violence or safeguarding issues last year, one of which involved a biological father being notified where his child had been put up for adoption oh, wow. uh, for 
um, had been placed and there had been safeguarding issues about the actual biological father. So that the child uh, is at risk, as are the adoptive parents. But interestingly, also talked about individuals within prisons who had taken screenshots of the prison computer system for some reason they must have found some really interesting information and we've talked about it in our training to say whilst you have privileged access to that data it doesn't mean that you have any right to do anything with that other than your job so taking Mm. screenshots of it and putting it on your personal device just sounds madness is that what so yeah it's that kind of what are they intending to do with it if they've taken those screenshots an interesting obviously that they've been able to detect that screenshots have been taken from the system which is good because they've been able to actually know that that's happened but yeah Yeah. the question then has to be what was that individual going to do with it and why and you know that mistaken belief again I think as you said that people think because they've got they work somewhere they can access anything whereas that's not the case you've got to have justification within your role and understand the sensitivity of the data that you're working with and, and treat it accordingly. I know. And you did, you raise a good point. It's like, how did the prison service know that that had happened? You know, there must be some kind of monitoring going on and it must have flagged something as being odd about the behaviour. But it's interesting that people, I think people's genuine curiosity gets them into a lot of trouble. Too often, we've seen it a lot as ex-health NHS professionals. There is the temptation to oh that's my neighbor let me find out a little bit more about them and you're like "Mm, there's a line between your professional world and your personal world but i found it interesting that the ministry of justice they stipulate they process millions of records you know these are a small number of incidences there's still 16 cases in a course of a year have all had an impact on Mm. on individuals and, and a real kind of potential physical harm emotional distress it's got maybe not financial but there is a real risk to these individuals because of uh, inappropriate data so the other thing that really interested me was there were a case where documents had been sent to a um, incorrectly to a third party scanning company it's like where are people's due diligence it's not so all of these are human error you know it just So tribunal documents have been... They were sent, one individual received 62 other people's documents because of the third party error rather than the the MOJ. So again, that that highlights the reality of being able to check in on people that you're entrusting your Mm. data to and those companies and the the third party data processors. You've got ways of checking in on them. Obviously, they've been able to have the appropriate reporting Mm. that we don't know, obviously, whether it's come from the individual who received them all or from the third party themselves. But, you know, you need to have those processes in place that your data processes can report through to you when they make mistakes, that you can react to those quickly and appropriately and not just rely on the fact that it's all happening without you really checking in on it every now and then and making sure that they've got appropriate systems and processes in place as well as yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, it goes without saying that we're never going to be risk-free. That's not the world we live in, but we have a, even if we have the best processes in place, we still need to account for our staff and, and errors taking place or enhanced technology, as is the case with the story that you had. And that leads quite nicely to the fact that we have a new information commissioner. John Edwards was the previous privacy commissioner of New Zealand. And these are all the challenges that we'll be facing him and his team. And definitely the new technology uh, will be something that over the next five year term, I imagine he will have 
a lot of challenges over in terms of what our legislation will allow and won't allow are keeping an eye on that so it's it's been an interesting start to 2022 for sure and i think it's going to be fascinating to see how much or if at all the direction of the ico changes and Mm -hmm. whether there's any shift in approach or sort of the resolution to take on some of the bigger players or Mm -hmm. or whether it will still be very collaborative in the approach to working with organizations rather than punitive so i think it's going to be really interesting to see if anything shifts over the coming years it's a good point you know prior to him joining the ico he has been very vocal about his opinion on social media platforms so it'll be interesting to see if how that comes into this country works in his new role for sure some very interesting stories there and i think for me the key really from the particularly the ministry of justice stories there is around making sure that your staff are well trained and that can really help to mitigate some of the issues that that they experienced over the last year so we just thought that'd be a good opportunity to remind you to take advantage of our new year offer which is that you can book two places on one of our data protection training courses and get the third place for free so more of your staff are trained for more cost effectiveness check it out on dbxuk.com forward slash training thanks very much for listening in and we hope you join us next time for more insight into the world of data and data protection Thank you.